Hey Indie Insider listeners, Ryan Hewer here from Little Red Dog Games. The last time I was on the show I mentioned that we were working on a new game, Deep Sixed. Well now that game is on Kickstarter and we could really use your help. Deep Sixed is a space survival game where players are given a defective spaceship and a large nebula to map with plenty of mysteries to reveal. Thanks to Logan, Indie Insider, and Blackshell Media for letting me share this, and thanks to all of you for your support. Enjoy this week's episode of Indie Insider. Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we talk with video game developers and professionals about their stories, their advice for others, and their thoughts on the indie video game industry. I'm Logan Schultz, and on today's show, I sit down and talk with Alexander Wynn, founder of Edgeworks Entertainment and creator of the widely acclaimed app TerraGenesis, which has a player base of 850,000 people over 10 months. He and I chat about what it's like to develop 24 apps before finally hitting it big, the constant grind of bug fixes and updates, developing a community around your game, and the struggles of developing alone. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas on what we should do next, shoot me an email at logan at blackshellmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider podcast on Twitter by following at Logan A. Schultz. And now, Alexander Wynn of Edgeworks Entertainment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Indie Insider. And today, I am talking with Alexander Wynn from Edgeworks Entertainment. Alexander, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you for your patience. It's It's been a bit of a trial to get together and record this one, but I'm really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad we could make it work. Absolutely. Well, Alexander, like I said, we're talking about Edgeworks Entertainment, and of course, the current game and the app you want to talk about is Terra Genesis, um, which is out right now. And uh, uh, why don't you just go ahead and start at the beginning? Tell me a little bit about Edgeworks Entertainment, and tell me a little bit about Terra Genesis. Cool. Um, well, Edgeworks Entertainment has been around in various forms for actually about 12 years. It's uh, just been sort of the name that I put on all of my projects, just sort of a vanity exercise. It started back in <laughs> 2005, where I made a web series called The Codex, which was a Halo 2 machinima series, sort of like uh, Red vs. Blue, a lot of people know, okay. making movies with Halo 2. And that ended up just blowing up. We got about 90 million hits. We were featured on MTV and NPR and a whole bunch of stuff. And so that was like my first real taste of success. And so Edgeworks Entertainment was like the company that put out that web series. But the tricky part was that when you're making a movie using Halo 2, you can't sell that because you made it using Halo 2. <laughs> and so like I was in high school and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm being interviewed on NPR and all this stuff. But on the other hand, like I can't sell DVDs, you know, so, oh, well. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, so it was a great experience, but... You know, you kind of had to go back to the drawing board. So I went off to USC Film School and I tried a bunch of different projects, made some other web series, got into programming, making websites. And Edgeworks was just always kind of this thing that I had that I would just put that name, you know, on kind of everything I did. And I started making iOS apps and I made 25, 24 apps before TerraGenesis. And uh, that's in addition to the companies that I worked at. And finally, my 25th iOS app was TerraGenesis, and as soon as I released it, things just went nuts. 
And so now, <laughs> finally, 12 years after Edgerix Entertainment started, you know, getting uh, tossed around, I'm actually able to build it as a company. My wife is handling the business side of things, and we're looking at, you know, getting office space and hiring other developers and really building this company into a, a going operation. That's excellent. So this is a husband and wife operation right now. Yeah. So when I started out, you know, 12 years ago with Edgeworks, it was just me. And then all the way up until the release of Terra Genesis, it was just me. I made Terra Genesis all by myself. My wife is actually an actress out here in L.A. named Lacey Hannon. And, oh, okay. And uh, so when Terra Genesis blew up, we had actually moved to New Zealand for eight months. We were living like road tripping and stuff. We were living in hotels when I released Terra Genesis and I didn't know that it was going to be a thing. I was like, hey, here's my 25th app. You know, here we go again. Let's get started on the next project <laughs> and released it. And all of a sudden we were getting thousands of downloads a day. We were getting all these reviews and, you know, like a lot of them were, this is the most amazing game ever. Oh my God. And a lot of them were like, the app is crashing. You have to fix it right now. So, you know, the, the alarm bells started going off and all of a sudden I found myself trying to push out app updates from hotel Wi-Fi and, you know, letting my wife take the wheel on the road trip because I need to sit in the passenger seat on my computer tapping away fixing bugs. And so when it became clear that I was spending all my time doing the, the code stuff, you know, the actual making of a game, uh, my wife offered to step up and help with, you know, talking to the lawyer as we were setting up our LLC and, you know, taking over some of the marketing aspects and that sort of thing. And so it just naturally evolved into this sort of partnership where she's handling kind of the, the company side and I'm handling the product side. Well, I want to get back to talking about um, the company and the game, um, but really quickly before we move away from it, how does your wife gain these skills as an actress? I mean, where does, where does that come from? Just, you know, interest, basically. I mean, she didn't go to school for business or anything like that. She went to school to be an actress, and she's just a really smart lady, and she's interested in business. She's been talking about taking business classes, you know, going back and getting a master's or something just because she finds it interesting. And so now this kind of became the excuse to do that, you know? And so she's been spending a lot of her time researching different types. You know, there was a whole period in there where she was researching what is an S corp versus a C corp versus an LLC and what would be right for us and talking to the lawyers and all that kind of stuff. So now, right now, the task that we're looking at is hiring other developers and kind of getting into all those labor laws and setting up a real company, you know, no longer a, a garage operation now an actual <laughs> go into the office kind of thing. Sure. Well, hey, you sound like a lucky guy um, oh to have someone to support you like that. That's great. Um, tell me, give us a little more context. What is Terra Genesis? What is this game? Yeah, so Terra Genesis is a, fundamentally, it's a strategy game, a building game. I often compare it a little bit to SimCity. Uh, it's based on the idea of colonizing and terraforming other planets. So for those who aren't familiar with the term terraforming, Terraforming is where you take a planet like Mars, where you have to wear a spacesuit to survive, and you, you know, warm up the planet or cool down the planet, you thicken the atmosphere or thin the atmosphere, you add oxygen, you add water, and eventually you turn it into a planet like Earth, where you can just live out on the surface. And, you know, forests are growing on the mountains and everything's blue and green and wonderful. And a lot of people say that when we begin seriously colonizing other planets, that this is a necessary step, that nobody's going to want to live in a little NASA hab for hundreds of years on Mars. You know, 
once you have, if, if you have scientists living on Mars, sure, they can just pretend it's Antarctica and, and live in their shelters and walk out in spacesuits. But eventually, people are going to want to be able to live out in the open and have enough of an ecosystem that you can grow your own food and all this kind of stuff. So terraforming is an idea that a lot of people play around with, and it has shown up in video games before. You know, if you play like Master of Orion or Stellaris and all that kind of thing, there are terraforming things where you can take a dead planet and you can make it a living planet. But it was always just like a button. Terraform this planet. It'll take 20 turns. Go. And I always just thought that was such a missed opportunity because terraforming is this incredibly intricate process and it's different for every single planet. You know, you go to Mars and terraforming means warming it up and thickening the atmosphere. Well, if you go to Venus, that's the exact opposite problem. The surface of Venus is hot enough to melt lead. The atmosphere is thicker than seawater. So Venus, you need to thin the atmosphere and cool down the planet. And that is a gameplay mechanic right there. You know, on its own, basically, it's a Goldilocks game. It's, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Get it right in the middle. Is the atmosphere too thick? Is it too thin? Get it in the middle. There is such a thing as too much oxygen. Do you have too much oxygen or too little oxygen? Get it in the middle. So as you balance these different scales, you know, the planet is being rendered in the game right in front of you using data from NASA. So as you raise the sea levels on Mars, the water starts to fill in craters and form lakes. They, it fills in valleys and you get these nice organic coastlines. So you start out, you land on the planet, you go through this process, and by the end of the game, you have cities with twinkling little lights on the surface. You've got an ocean that has risen as you watched. You've got an atmosphere and a biosphere. You can even engineer individual orga organisms for the biosphere. And uh, you achieve victory when you declare independence from Earth. And now you've got a fully terraformed you know, Mars or Venus or Mercury, and there you go a full world that you have created. There you go. So that's your gameplay loop right there. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. All right. Um, well, I'm guessing, you know, you were kind of saying that you were a kind of a, a garage operation uh, yeah. up until this happened. So I'm guessing that you didn't build your own engine for all of this. How did how did you begin the process of, of creating this game? Yeah, that's been a little bit of a headache, to be honest, because I've always been an iOS guy. I make iOS apps, and if you look back at my catalog, you know, a couple of them were games, but I've done finance apps, and I've done productivity apps, I did a media player, and all sorts of different stuff, and so when I made this game, I just made it in iOS. You know, the 3D animation is done using SceneKit on iOS, it's all just native iOS stuff. Oh, wow. Liter literally, I think the only, like, third-party code that I used was uh, Crashlytics, you know, tracking. And so everything was just built on iOS, which is great until the game takes off and you want to pr bring it to Android. And now, tough, you know, like it's a page <laughs> one rewrite. You can't do that. And so actually what I'm right now in the, in the process of is completely rebuilding the game from the ground up in Unity so that I can bring it to Android or so that I can bring it to PC or Mac or all these different platforms that people have been requesting it. And it's been fun because I've started posting these Android updates on the Facebook page where people can kind of follow along. So these people that don't know how to make a game, but they've always wanted to make a game, they can follow along. Hey, today I was working on this menu. And unlike a lot of developer diaries, you can see the finished product. You know, you can hold up your phone and say, hey, he's working on this menu right now. 
And so when I say I've been working on getting the scrolling to work, or I've been working on, you know, getting this particular UI element, you can hold it in your hand and say, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why this part would take so long. So that's been a really fun way of engaging with the community. That is interesting. Has the community been pretty receptive to that? They have, yeah. I'm still in the very early stages. I mean, I'm literally like making the main menu right now. So okay. it's, sure. uh, it's just now taking off. But but yeah, the community has actually, they've gotten interested in it enough that if I don't post an Android update for a couple of days, they start messaging me asking why, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, are you, have you stopped doing this or are you just working on something else? And I'll be like, no, man, I'm doing marketing, you know, like I'm talking to podcasts and stuff, but I'll get back to it next week. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this game originally released in 2015. Is that right? Uh, actually, it released in 2016. Sort of a soft launch, uh, rolled it out, and then the, you know, it had a couple of like coming soon features because again, I <clears throat> had no idea that it was going to take off the way it did. Okay. And uh, so the final, like, complete release, the actual official release date was February 9th, 2017. So the actual. Um, full release is fairly new, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's been evolving, like, as as you go along, it's been consistently growing. So the players that were there since last July, they've, you know, they've been playing this whole time. But there were always some features that weren't quite done yet. And so, yeah, February was when it is officially out. And now I'm just working on bug fixing and adding more content, like more playable worlds, and then, of course, bringing it to Android. Sure, 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 okay. Yeah, so it's only on iOS right now, that's correct? Correct. Coming to Android, hopefully in the next few months. Okay, very cool. Um, So one thing that I'm noticing, I'm kind of looking at the app page right now, kind of just checking out, looking at some screenshots that you posted. Um, I see that you actually offer an Apple Watch app as well. Uh, yeah, that was uh, before the app ever came out. I was just messing around with the Apple Watch. And uh, I think that these days you can do 3D animation. But when I was working on it, you couldn't. You could just do menus. And so I figured it would just be a neat little thing to throw in so that you could track your stats as time goes on, watch the atmosphere get thicker, and then be like, oh, no, it's getting too thick. I need to jump back into the app. It was a nice way of bumping up user retention and that sort of thing. Interesting. So did you, I guess, did that affect anything at all when you decided to add an Apple Watch app to it, a tie-in to it? It didn't affect a whole lot because it was mostly just displaying data that was already being generated by the app. You know, it was sure. uh, it was just a quick way of checking your stats without having to turn on your phone. But it has, I've noticed that in terms of like keywords that get searched on the App Store, which is how, you know, when people find our the app and that sort of thing, Apple Watch is actually a pretty common one. People are attracted to the idea of a game that has an Apple Watch component. And sure. several people have said, it's so great that this thing has an Apple Watch component because, you know, Terra Genesis is one of these games that is happening all the time. It's not just when you have the app open. It's like, you know, the, the atmosphere is growing by like one Pascal per minute. So it'll be, you know, where you want it on Tuesday or whatever. Uh, so having the ability to check it on your watch at any time, see how the progress is coming, a lot of people have really responded to that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like people are always looking for more reasons to get an Apple Watch or to justify their Apple Watch, right? Exactly. So 
you know, to, to have something that ties into a game that you really enjoy, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure people are coming specifically because they see it has an Apple Watch component. So I was curious if, if that was the case for you. Yeah, but it sounds like definitely. It and and as a game developer, it's wonderful because it's kind of, a, you know, the, the best the best tricks are always the ones that the player wants to do. And this is a great way to do more user retention because it's like really easy with these apps that are working in the background to just close them and kind of forget to ever check them. You know, if it's not going to be done until Tuesday and you kind of forget that it's going on Monday, then you, they're gone and you've just lost a player. But if they've got the Apple Watch and they're checking it every day and they're checking it every hour and then on Tuesday, a little thing shows up on their Apple Watch and hey, it's done. You just got that player back. So it's a great way of adding convenience for the player, but also improving the statistics on the game developer side. That makes a lot of sense, kind of finding new ways and innovative ways to keep your game in front of people longer, right? And kind of keep them coming back. Interesting. Exactly. Uh, so one other thing I'd like to talk to you about is glitches. So you've mentioned that, you know, um, there were times where you've had to fix glitches. You've had people say, hey, you really got to fix this. Um, and obviously you kind of said this has been a soft rollout and it's kind of been rolling out for a while. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what the experience has been with dealing with glitches? Because it sounds like, unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think we clarified, uh, you've pretty much been doing all of this on your own, right? Yeah, definitely. Every bit of it on my own. The only uh, the only two things on this app that I didn't do myself were the translations, the localization services. Obviously, I don't speak Chinese and Japanese and all that kind of stuff, so I hired a company. And sure. then uh, I hired an artist to finish some of the maps because there are some moons of Jupiter and moons of Saturn and that sort of thing that I wanted people to be able to play on, but we don't actually know what the other side of that looks like. Like NASA has only mapped one side of it. So I hired an artist to take that map and then like flesh out the other side of the planet so that it would be a complete sphere. Okay. But everything Smart. else I handled all by my own. So handling all of that on your own, how do you how do you address glitches and especially when people are you know, messaging you, writing you saying, hey, this needs to get fixed. Yeah, people get a, a little bit hysterical sometimes, especially if a glitch is introduced, you know, during gameplay, and then all of a sudden, oh no, the update broke my game, and you know, that kind of thing. It, it gets real tense. And it's compounded by Apple's approval system, where it's like, you know, I know, guys, that it, the game is glitching, and I've already fixed it, but I've submitted an update to Apple, and they're not going to approve it for three days. You know, and now oh, you just have sure. to kind of be the customer service guy and answer every message from every angry player and be like, listen, there's nothing more I can do. It's just a waiting game. And it gets really stressful. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing that I have done and that the players have really responded to, and I couldn't tell you how many five-star reviews I have gotten just based on this, like literally probably thousands, I'm not exaggerating, of reviews have mentioned this one thing, which is I respond to people like a person, you know, like not like a company. If somebody messages me and says, hey, you know, this the update broke my game or hey, you know, my, my game on Mercury, the game crashes every time I try to open it. And so it, my world is going to be destroyed. You know, the, the planet's getting hotter and hotter and all my people are going to die by the time the update comes out. Every single morning I wake up and I go to Facebook and I personally respond to every comment and message that I get. And when somebody has a, has a game breaking bug like that, I tell them, hey man, you know, I'm sorry, this one's on me. 
And not only do I apologize, but I actually tell them what it was. You know, oftentimes people get frustrated when it's just, quote unquote, not working. But if you go up to them and you say, hey man, listen, here's what happened. The last update, I was trying to increase the resolution on the planet so that it would look nicer. And it turns out that the textures I was using are too high res. And so some, some devices are crashing because it's just too much for the processor to handle. I've got an update awaiting approval from Apple. They usually do it in a day or two, so I'm expecting it'll come out, you know, the, the update will come out on Wednesday. I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this. Swear to God, 80% of the time, they will come back and thank me. Like, they're not mad anymore. They're appreciative. And then they'll go off and write a five-star review on an app that crashes every time they open it just because... I was straight with them and told them what was happening. And that engagement with the player base has been invaluable, both in establishing the game and then in growing the community. So one thing that you mentioned is that, I mean, this game has really taken off for you. It has, you know, thousands and thousands of reviews on iTunes. I mean, it's, it's fairly well received. It seems like there's a lot of people playing it. How do you, as the sole developer, as an indie developer, find the time and the energy to do all of that, to respond to all those people and kind of stay on top of that community? Well, you know, uh, I mean, it helps that TerraGenesis, like, this is my job now, you know, that I don't have, I'm not going into a day job and that sort of thing anymore. That obviously helps a whole lot. Um, but in terms of, like, the emotional energy and that kind of thing, it can be hard sometimes, you know, especially if we are in the middle of a, a game-breaking bug. I'm ashamed to say, but I will say that there have been several times that I released a big new update and it turns out that I accidentally didn't undo some change in the code that was just for me as convenience and that, you know, upgrades everybody's game to expert mode. You know, that happened a little while ago. That was mortifying. And it's just a matter of, you know, you just sort of go in and level with people and you know there is a point at which if somebody's being just a total jerk and is un, unable to be assuaged you just kind of stop talking to them it's like hey man i did my best here's here's what i got but most of the time the community understands and they've been very supportive and in fact it's actually gotten there's a culture developing in the TerraGenesis community around helping me bust bugs so people who have never worked on a video game before in their lives will send me screenshots and they sound like professional QA guys, you know? They'll be like, hey, here are five screenshots. I was able to reproduce the bug using this process. Here's the seven-step process to make the bug happen. I checked on my wife's iPhone, and it's not happening there, so maybe it's only on an iPhone 6. And, you know, they'll help me, like, diagnose the issue. And then I make a point always in the release notes. Whenever I fix something thanks to somebody's help, it'll be like, you know, fixed a bug that would cause such and such to crash and then i'll put thanks logan just as a little <laughs> acknowledgement and people get really excited when they're like hey i saw the thank you man that was so awesome so that really helps with the customer service side of things and then with the code side you know just maintaining an app like this you know it's really just a matter of kind of throw yourself in and just keep checking things off the to-do list i've got a list on a Facebook Live I showed the fans recently. I've got a to-do list on this game that's about six pages long. Um, and when I say pages, I mean like screens, you know, sure. not printed pages. You just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. Most of those aren't bugs. Most of those are like feature requests and things like that. 
ideas that I've had that I wanted to add. And it's just a matter of keep plugging away, you know, just keep adding features and fixing bugs and every morning wake up and talk to the community. That's the indie hustle right there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing that I commend you on, this kind of, this seems to be a theme throughout everything you've been saying, is that uh, you've kind of built this positivity uh, and personal touch around your, um, you know, this this app and your business and how you approach the work. And that seems to me like that's a really positive aspect of what you do because you are indie. You know, not everybody can exactly. have such a personal touch because they are they're too big for it or there's too many of them or it's it's just not feasible but you found a way to balance that that seems to work really well for you yeah exactly and it's you know i had an early experience in high school when i was making movies where <laughs> if you used the words high school filmmaker it was magical you could do anything <laughs> you want if you describe yourself as a high school filmmaker i filmed in an airport two years after 9-11 because I was a high school filmmaker and I licensed music from Cirque du Soleil for one dollar because I was a high school filmmaker and I oh, was wow. so upset when I finally got to college <laughs> because if you're a college filmmaker especially a college filmmaker at USC they're like oh you want music from Cirque du Soleil yeah it's sixty thousand dollars <laughs> and you you've you know I felt like I'd lost this incredible thing and I found it again with indie developer I am an indie developer and people just respond to you. You know, they want to help you out. They want to see you succeed. They want to check out your stuff. And that is a, a currency that really helps both with community management and then also with, you know, getting the word out and getting resources and that sort of thing. You know, asking for help when you when you have a bug that you just don't know how to fix. You know, you post on a forum somewhere, a Stack Overflow, and say, hey, you know, I've got this game. Can somebody help me out? Because my players are really anxious, and people will respond more. And that's that's a wonderful thing. But the, the indie touch, you know, the sense that it's not a company making this, it's a person making this, is hugely valuable. And I would, I every indie developer that I talk to, I just drive home this sense of, you know, tell them, let them know, you know, don't try to pretend to be Blizzard. You are not Blizzard. They don't want you to be Blizzard. They want you to be the guy who's doing this, you know, with your toddler in your lap, you know, <laughs> trying to make your game take off. They that's that's endearing. It's okay to be a little more unprofessional as long as you balance it with warmth and openness. I like that. That's a good message. I will take that Thanks. home, Alexander. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um well, here's one last question for you about Definitely. um app development i see looking at terra genesis that it has in-app purchases yes what has your experience been like with in-app purchases pros cons positive negatives you know it's been a really interesting uh journey the monetization of terra genesis i had had a little bit of experience with freemium style apps before i had uh Actually, my biggest success ever before Terra Genesis was an app called Characterize, and it was a character generator. So you could generate characters for like a novel you're writing or a Dungeons and Dragons game and that sort of thing. And it came with regular people for free, and then you would buy generators for like cowboys or robots or, you know, that sort of thing. And so I had some experience with in-app purchases, but this was the first time I had ever done in-app purchases for a game. And that's definitely a different landscape. Okay. And so the monetization for Terra Genesis happens in three ways. 
we launched with two. The first is Genesis points in the game, which is your standard consumable in-app purchase, sort of like power-ups or gems. You know, if you want to build this thing, it's going to take two hours, or you can spend five Genesis points and it's done right now. Got it. Okay. Sort of a standard strategy game thing. And then we also have non-consumable in-app purchases, which are playable worlds. So if you want to play on Mercury or Venus or Mars or the Moon or Earth, it's free. But if you want to play on the moons of Jupiter, you have to buy them. If you want to play on these fictional worlds, you have to buy them. If you want to get the random world generator, you have to buy it, that sort of thing. And over the course of the game, when it first came out, I got a lot of flack from players because, you know, this is just a scam and you're just trying to rip me off. And I remember being absolutely flabbergasted at the idea that people would be angry at Genesis points because, A, it's pretty standard, you know, like it, most games do this. And B, I, I think I have always viewed those things the way the companies want me to, which is it's optional. Like, if you don't want to pay for Genesis points, you don't have to. Just wait for the facility to finish completing in an hour, you know? It's a, it's a thing that you can do if you want to. You don't have to. But a lot of people didn't view it that way. A lot of people viewed it as you have to buy Genesis points, and that's bullshit, you know? Okay. So one of the things that I eventually found was rewarded videos. Uh, so you can buy Genesis points or every so often you get the opportunity to watch a 30 second ad and Hey, here's three Genesis points for free. So if you don't want to pay, spend money, that's fine. You can still get the benefit of Genesis points. And I think it's worth mentioning that I even built into the game. Every single time you started a new game on the new world, you got 20 free Genesis points. Every time you reached plant life habitability, you got 10 more. And every time you reached human habitability, you got 20 more. Like there were opportunities for free Genesis points in the game but it wasn't enough. And then when I added rewarded videos, that placated pretty much everybody. And that was a really interesting thing because, you know, rewarded videos, that's another type of monetization. That's fine. I, you can watch rewarded videos. That's great. That's not cutting into my, to my, um, you know, my revenue. But the experience of the non-consumable in-app purchases, the worlds that you could play on, was exactly the opposite early on and still now, players want to buy them because they want to support, there's that word again, an indie developer. <laughs> you know, they never, I, every once in a while, I'll get a message from somebody saying, hey, more worlds ought to be free. This is ridiculous. You know, the whole game ought to be free. But it's very small compared to the number of people who, and especially if somebody posts that in a public forum, like on a Facebook group or something, a bunch of fans will jump on and say, oh, come on, man, he's an indie developer. Like, help support him. This is how it's supposed to work. And that's been really, you know, heartwarming. But yeah, so that's the uh, that's the monetization in Terra Genesis. We have consumables, the Genesis points. We have non-consumables, the playable worlds. And then we have rewarded videos. And it's been working pretty well for us. You get, you get refinements in terms of, like, testing different prices. I did end up adding a, a random event that happens that's like, hey... You know, normally if you spend a dollar, you get 10 Genesis points, but now if you spend a dollar, you can get 15. You want to go for it? You know, little things like that. There was some experimentation around randomizing the rewarded videos. So instead of just rewarded videos give you three Genesis points, it was rewarded videos give you some number of Genesis points, and it could be between two and five, and every once in a while it'll give you like 30. That got people's interest a lot, that sort of thing. But for the most part, it's been a really great 
you know, learning curve. Interesting. Well, um, that's an interesting point to make is because I, I mean, I myself have sat down and um, I'm not the world's biggest fan of in-app purchases, but you know, I've right. watched, I've watched videos to get points to, you know, kind of keep playing my game right exactly. now in front of me um, instead of having to set something down and wait for it or, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm interested to hear that that was um, received more positively than yeah. in-app purchases. Yeah. And another thing, another thing that was hugely beneficial is the game isn't pay to win. You can do everything you want in the game without spending Genesis points. Genesis points are just a convenience. So if you're willing to wait two hours for the facility to finish construction, that's great. There's nothing that you have to spend Genesis points on. It's just for speeding things up. And a lot of people have written reviews saying that they really like that. You know, people people saying, hey, this is how freemium games are supposed to work. It's not a paywall. It's not pay to win. It's just for convenience. So we've gotten a lot of goodwill off of that fact. Well, Alexander, tell me just a little bit about yourself. Give me some more context. You said you were, um, you know, a filmmaker, a high school filmmaker, right? (laughs) And uh, then you went on to uh, film school, essentially, but then you ended up making apps. How did that kind of jump happen? How did you get into making apps in the first place? Yeah, so when I first started that web series that I mentioned earlier, the Codex, which got all that publicity, right? it was a partnership between me and my high school best friend, and I was the movie guy, and he was the website guy. So he built the website, and I was making the, the videos. And eventually he kind of fell away and went off and did his own thing, and so I found myself having to go back in and reverse engineer his web code. And so we're just talking like HTML and PHP, that sort of stuff, some really basic MySQL code. Okay. And so I found myself having to reverse engineer his code so that I could keep maintaining the site. So when I wanted to add a new website or, or a new web series to the site, I needed to figure out how to do that and that sort of thing. Over the next few years, I kind of fell into this niche of making web tools. So they were, they were browser-based, they were web pages, but they weren't consumer-facing. They were like for a company internally to track their invoices and that sort of thing. Uh, so I got into that for a long time. Eventually, I got a day job working at the Apple Store here in Los Angeles. Sure. And okay. one of the nice things about working at the Apple Store, like one of the perks that you get for being part of the Apple family or whatever, is they give you a free subscription to lynda.com. Lynda.com, for those who don't know, is a site for free professional tutorials. So uh, things like how to use Photoshop and Illustrator, how to build a business plan, how to do 3D animation, you know, it's, it's professional skill tutorials. And one of them is how to make apps and how to be a programmer in general. All sorts of, they do Unity and iOS and Android and all sorts of stuff. But as long as you work at Apple, even in retail, as crazy as it seems, <laughs> if you make an app, Apple owns it. <laughs> so there's no incentive to make apps. But, wonder of wonders, I ended up leaving Apple to go make tutorial videos for ehow.com and they never canceled my Lynda subscription. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just had a free subscription to lynda.com for years. They did end up canceling (laughs) it, like, I think five years after I left. Um, And so when I left Apple, I started doing these lynda.com tutorials, and I learned how to make iOS apps. You know, I've been doing web programming for so long, and I started doing these things, and they're fantastic. Anybody listening who wants to learn how to make apps, I highly recommend lynda.com. 
The iOS ones specifically are taught by a guy named Simon Allardyce. And he's this hilarious guy. He looks like the ultimate version of somebody you don't want to get into a bar fight with. Just this huge <laughs> barrel-chested guy with a shaved head and a jet black goatee. He just looks like such a scary guy. But when he speaks, he speaks with a stentorian voice. And he says, I'm Simon Allardyce, and I'm here to teach you iOS design. He's <laughs> such a character. He's hilarious. But 30 awesome. days later, no kidding, 30 days later, I had an app on the App Store. And wow. And it was just on from there. I just started making apps in my spare time. Anytime I had an idea, you know, some of these were stupid ideas, just like the rinky-dinkest little app that anybody, you know, it's like the iOS equivalent of Notepad. Um, but it was an app. It was another app on the App Store. I just kept going, kept going, kept going. I did finance apps. I did, you know, most of them, like a lot of developers will say, are based off of what they wanted. You know, I wanted an app like this, and so I made an app like this. So one of them, for example, was called Multiplex. I wanted to be able to listen to music out of the phone call speaker. Instead of holding my phone up to my ear like a moron, I wanted to just hold my phone like I was listening to a phone call and listen to music. That would be great, right? So I just made an app that did that. Um, you, could also wa you could also listen to movies with the screen locked. So if I've already seen this movie and I just want to listen to it when I'm at the gym, done. Moving on to the next app. I did finance apps because I thought, hey, let's get interested in investing. And so I made a couple of apps to just help me do that. And rather than keeping it to myself, throw it up on the app store. There's app number 12 and 13. Eventually, you know, when you start looking around for a job as a programmer and you say, yeah, I've got 17 apps on the app store. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's cred. You know, you, you look like a real developer. They're not great apps, but you've been through the process so many times that you are of value to these companies. And so eventually, you know, game after game after game after game, and some of them are, have one-star reviews, and they're just terrible. I've taken a lot of them off the App Store now. But eventually, app number 25 was Terra Genesis. There you go, that persistence. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's a big exactly. deal. Persistence and the willingness to just do it and move on. You know, oftentimes when people talk about persistence, it's like this, this slog through rejection and keeping your spirits up even though your soul is being crushed and all this stuff. And really, I just got into this place where it's like, just do them fast and get them out. Like there was no emotional investment in any one of them taking off because, you know, before Terra Genesis came out, when you've got 24 apps on the App Store, even if each of them is making $1 a day, you're making $24 a day, and that starts to add up. And if each of them starts making $2 a day, then that's twice as much money. There's a law of large numbers thing that happens. And then when one of them does take off, wow. You know, so that's whenever I tell people, you know, persistence, yes, but persistence with the sense that move on to the next app, move on to the next idea, just keep trying, keep doing. Um, it's actually very similar advice to another um, mobile developer, Luke Muscat, that we had on the show, um, creator really? of Fruit Ninja. Yeah, he yeah. Um, he shared similar advice. Um, not necessarily that you should be emotionally detached necessarily, but it was more that you know just keep putting things out, put a lot out there, um, mm -hmm. you know, and you will gain experience that way, and eventually something will stick. Um, exactly. You know, make things fast, make things hard, and. Um, and just do it. So yeah, that's uh, that's sound advice from from some intelligent people. So thank you, yeah. Alexander, I, um, for throwing that in there. 
Yeah, of course. There's a, a thing that somebody told me in film school that I actually like never connected to what I was doing with video games. And then I kind of looked back years later and I was like, oh, I think that's what they were talking about, which is they said, listen, what would you do if I told you that your first 15 movies were going to suck? They were just going to be panned. Nobody was going to go see them. You were going to be a joke. And then the 16th movie was going to win an Oscar. What would you do if you just knew that ahead of time? The easy answer is you would just make 15 movies. You would just do them and get them done and move on to the next. You would just get to the 16th movie and know beforehand that they're not going to be great. And that's kind of the attitude that I realized after the fact that I had about my apps was you just throw, you just make them, you just get them out there and eventually you're going to have one that really is great, but you don't need the first one to be great or the third one to be great or the eighth one to be great. You just need one of them to be great. Get to that one. Well, Alexander, at the end of every episode, I do ask my guests to share a piece of advice um, with the audience, something that's you know relevant for them, that's been effective in their lives and their careers. You've dropped a ton of advice already in this episode. Is there anything else that you want to send people home with, or you kind of want to stick the stick it with that one? You know, that's the biggest one that I sort of drive home for people is you just keep keep making things. Um, that being said, I don't want to I don't want to break your tradition and not drop a, <laughs> a nugget of advice right at the end. So let's see what let's see what I can come up with. Um, I guess aside from the two that I mentioned earlier, you know, keep plugging away and then make the things that you want to use. Um, the biggest other piece of advice that I that I have garnered from my time working on Terragenesis specifically is that. I don't, I don't quite know how to phrase this. It's like, be open to um, people interpreting the game differently than what you thought it was going to be. You know, there were, I remember early on in Terra Genesis, there was no way to disable or demolish a facility once you built it. Because I had this idea that, you know, like, if you plant a forest on Mars, it's going to be making oxygen and you can't turn the forest off. You know, it's there. <laughs> like, th th that is a thing now. And so if you have too much oxygen, you're going to have to build something else to counter the effect. And that, to me, was part of the beauty of this concept was that it was all about balance. You know, you've got this thing. Okay, well, then you have to build this other thing to balance it out. As soon as the game came out, like day one, I was getting feedback. How the hell do I delete a facility? How do, how do I downgrade a facility or how do I turn off a facility? And I would send these carefully written messages about how, well, you know, the game is all about balance and stuff. And, you know, I don't think anybody was this, like, blunt about it. But basically the response was, that's stupid. Like, I built a thing. I want to be able to turn it off. You know, okay, I can't turn off the forest. How do I burn the forest? <laughs> you know, people wanted to be able to do this thing. And ultimately, I just said, okay. And I added the feature. And all of a sudden, we start getting way more positive reviews because it let them do the thing they wanted to do. So ultimately, the game is better for it. And it wasn't exactly my vision, but who cares? I love the app as it exists now with the Demolish fa Facility feature. It's a crowd pleaser, and it's like kind of emblematic of this doctrine that I have about listening to the fans. What does it matter if that wasn't part of your original vision? The game is good. So that's part of, that's, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people 
should keep in mind is just stay flexible with your idea about what this app is, you know? Keep t stay true to the core idea. But if your if your players want a thing, experiment with how you can give it to them. Well, that is pretty solid advice from Alexander Wynn of Edgeworks Entertainment and the creator of Terra Genesis, which is on iOS now and soon coming to Android. Alexander, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun to talk about. And as, you know, as uh, stays true to what I've been talking about this whole time, if any listeners or anybody has any more questions for me, just feel free to drop by the TerraGenesis page, shoot me a message. I respond to them all myself and uh, happy to talk to people about more ideas. Well, that is a great segue. How do people find you out on those interwebs, Alexander, and how do they follow TerraGenesis and Edgeworks? Yeah, so Terra Genesis specifically has a social media presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active on all three. We're actually going to be starting a new initiative on Instagram in the next couple of weeks, which I'm pretty excited about. But Facebook is where I personally spend most of my time. So you can engage with the community on all three. But if you want me specifically, you should probably check out the Terra Genesis page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Game. And then there's also edgeworksentertainment.com is the website for the company as a whole, and there are contact us links on there. And there's Edgeworks Facebook pages and all sorts of stuff. But for the most part, check out the TerraGenesis Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. I love it. Well, one last time, Alexander, thank you so much. And I think that we did it. All right. Well, thank you, you very I... much for having me. We made a podcast. We did a thing. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> on to the next. <laughs> on to the next. Yeah, you are you're going on a major trip now. So yes. I need to let you get back to packing. <laughs> Alexander <laughs> Wynn, founder of Edgeworks Entertainment and creator of Terra Genesis. Thank you for joining us this week. Again, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas you'd like to share, you can email me at Logan at blackshowmedia.com. Or reach out on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. That's L-O-G-A-N-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. This podcast is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm dedicated to helping independent video game developers reach massive audiences, publish financially successful titles, and turn game development into a career. It's the company's mission to help game developers get more of what they want out of a rewarding opportunity in the game industry more fans, and sustainable revenue to keep them moving forward. Blackshell Media also has an educational branch to their company, where they offer free articles and resources for aspiring and growing developers, which is why we get to bring this show to you every single week. You can find Blackshell Media on the web at blackshellmedia.com and on Twitter at blackshellmedia. This show is on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the web, as well as the Blackshell Media blog. If you enjoy what we're doing here and want us to keep doing it, or if you have things you'd like us to change, please go to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review so that we can keep sharing these episodes each week with you. Special thanks this week goes out to Raghav Mather, Daniel Doan, and Raquel Hayner, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for the use of his song, Going Higher. I'm Logan Schultz, and you've been listening to Indie Insider. We'll see you next week.
Ryan Hewer here from Little Red Dog Games. Indie Insider is my favorite podcast on the Citadel.